are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. Ready? Go, go, go. We are your news now. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. <laughs> Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason.
Right On Radio, everyone. My name is Jeff. Thank you for being here. I decided at the last second to play just a little bit of background music while I came into the room. And (laughs) that's partly because I heard that shofar in a new way today. You know, many people say it's for clearing the air. It's uh, it's certainly a biblical instrument. One of the truly biblical instruments, including the, uh, the harp. But what I heard this morning while I was listening to it and really doesn't have much to do with this chapter. But I heard the sound of war. And in a, in a, just in a way, I've never heard it before or felt in my spirit that the shofar was the sounding of war. And make no mistake, <laughs> this is a war. Um, There is a war going on in the flesh, obviously, but everything starts in the spiritual. Everything starts in the spirit world. The spirit world, the other dimensions, are far more real than the realm that we are currently participating in the flesh. But you who have been chosen and pulled out of the kingdom of this world have been brought into the spiritual realm, into God's kingdom. And it is for us to learn to discern much greater and to spend more of our time living in God's kingdom in our minds. Because our bodies are subject to this world. But this entire war, obviously there's a depopulation thing going on, but the war is for your mind because they want you to willingly participate in the plans of the God of this world, and that's the small G God. So, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for discernment this morning. I give you thanks that you shed your blood for our sins. Lord, I give you thanks that you have come into this world being a mighty God creator of all things and even lived in complete humility in a flesh vessel in which you've created. So Lord, you truly do understand our desires and the pulling on our flesh. And although none of us could ever live blameless in this world as you did. 
you showed us that it is possible. And Lord, as I reflect on this chapter we are about to read, Lord, you use the Apostle Paul, who is probably one of the greatest redemption stories of a human that we could ever have, and someone who strived to live as closely to the example in which you set. And in this particular writing, which you have put into your good book, Lord, he had the confidence that he had accomplished these things. And that confidence can only come from being close to you and in your presence, Lord. There is no other way. So, Father, I pray the Holy Spirit indwell each one of us in a deeper way this day, and that the Holy Spirit will minister to us what you have in your word, in your letter to us, which is 2 Timothy chapter 4. Lord, I pray that you use each one of us to glorify you, even in our small ways, and that we will keep the faith and fight the good fight and finish the course. Lord, how I desire to hear those words one day. Father, be with each and every one who hears my voice. And Lord, I pray, I ask with all humility that your grace and your power be upon them. Do the work that is right in each person's life. And even as I'm saying this, I know that they're thinking of those things that they need to be done in their lives. And it's not out of selfishness. It's out of losing self and becoming more like you, Jesus Christ, my brother, my father, my God, who will never forsake us. Hallelujah, Lord, that we'll never be separated. We'll never experience what you experienced for that brief moment in time when you were separated from the Father. You will never do that to us. All glory to your name. Jesus Christ, amen. Well, good day to each one of you. And I say good day because there's people listening around the world in different time zones. This particular chapter of the Bible is, is exceptional in many ways. And not that it's the deepest theology or most packed part of Scripture, far be it. But Paul, this is the very last letter that he penned that became part of the canonized Bible. At this point, Paul is an old man. He had suffered much for the gospel. He is imprisoned for the preaching of the gospel. And he writes this letter to his 
disciple, Timothy. But as I always say, and it's worth repeating, you'll hear me say it many times in the future. This is Paul's letter to Timothy, but it's God's letter to you. So understand that Paul is talking to Timothy, but God is speaking to you. And yes, I mean you. Not the other person listening. He's talking to them too. But he is talking to you here in this letter. Let me read it, and then we're going to pick it apart to some degree. There's some parts where I will not uh, spend too much time on. Um, just as we get going, just a reminder that this show is listener-supported. There's links in the description box if you feel led to, or if you would at least take a moment to prayerfully consider supporting this channel, if you've benefited from it, if you um, believe that I'm giving out information that others aren't, and doing my best to stick to the truth as I understand it. Hallelujah. Verse 1. I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, use self-restraint in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. And I have kept the faith. In the future, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take along Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. 
that I have sent Tychius to Ephesus. And when you bring the overcoat, which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books and especially the parchments. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself too, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles may hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila to the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remind, remained at Corinth, but I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you also, Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. If you sense a little bit of emotion in me reading this, it's because this chapter is very near and dear to my own heart and my own desires. I pray you'll see why and also see the same things in your life. Verse 1 I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God, of Christ Jesus. So what, this is so powerful. It's, and then there's a comma. He's, to exhort is to sternly instruct. It's like, pay attention to this. These are like, these are my last words to you. And, you know, Paul perhaps didn't know that they were going to be his last words to Timothy. And maybe Timothy came to see him. We don't know. But it was the last written word. And Paul certainly knew his time was up. But Paul is giving a command to Timothy, his disciple. And it isn't like, hey, listen, you know, I taught you, you owe me. It's not that. Because Paul says, 
in the presence of God, Christ Jesus. I think that there's an expectation that, well, first of all, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit penned this letter, most of it. I think the Holy Spirit actually allowed Paul a little bit of personal commentary in this, which is kind of rare for Paul. But he is saying in the presence of the Lord, and you know, I think that Paul's faith was so strong that he expected the Holy Spirit just to overwhelm Timothy when Timothy read this letter. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom. What does he mean by the living and the dead? You might just think that, okay, there's obviously, you know, thousands of years of people who have passed before this time. And that's true. But have you ever considered that there are the walking dead among you? I'll leave that for you to wrestle with in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? Always be ready to preach or teach the word. <clears throat> Some of us are not great teachers. Some of us are not great teacher, preachers or teachers. And there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Please understand that. Teaching is a systematic way of revealing the truths of the Word of God. Preaching is really making a point and for the encouragement of the saints to go forth in the Word. Although modern-day preaching, and this is a uh, thorn in my side, when I see modern-day preachers, they come up with a really clever idea and then they prove it biblically and everyone thinks they're so great and they put on a great show. That's the state of many parts of the body today. And they lack teaching. They only do preaching in many churches. And the preacher is self-edified. But the people who came there saw a great show, so they want to come back, maybe even throw in more money. 
we must be ready to preach and teach the word. And if you don't consider yourself able to preach or teach, you overcome the world by the power of by the word and the power of your testimony. I have there's only one testimony that I have, but I have several different versions of it. I have the long one, everything. I have the short one. I have the elevator pitch. I have the one that's a little bit watered down, depending on the audience that you have. If you are in front of someone and you need to bring up the word because it's necessary at that time for the sake of the person you're talking to, you have to meet them on their level. And I'm not saying to water down the word of God. No, 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 no. But you might not want to start with hell and damnation. With some people, you might have to start with that. So be ready at all times. How do you be ready? Read the word. Spend time with the Lord. Continuing on in the second verse, correct, rebuke, and exhort. You'll notice on this channel, even when I maybe expose a person, and I only expose people who are influential, but I'm not doing a character assassination on them. I've never done a character assassination on Alice Bailey, for instance. Or even, you know, someone in modern times like General Flynn who read a satanic prayer <laughs> in a so-called church. But to correct is to focus on the doctrine, and doctrine matters. We need to show the difference so people can understand because right now the deception is very subtle in most cases. Look, uh, two years ago, I was buying into this dominionism stuff. Uh, Jesse, who was the co-host of the show, taught it and it made sense. I'd never heard this before and there's Bible verses to support it. But I learned later that it's actually contrary to the Bible. It's a very subtle twisting. And she's doing it knowingly or unknowingly. I'm not judging her. I fell for it. Maybe she's fallen for it. And there's a whole bunch of people. Uh, the NAR movement is bigger <laughs> than the what I'm just going to frame as the remnant, the ones who truly believe the gospel. And, and take God for at his word and don't rely on men. So we need to correct and we need to rebuke the doctrine. Sometimes we need to rebuke the person. But ladies and gentlemen, and there's a lesson further on in this chapter, 
Don't rebuke in your own strength. The Lord rebuke them. He's large and in charge, folks. And we're just learning. And it goes on to say, and exhort with great patience and instruction. Great patience. If you do not know the definition of patience, it is long-suffering. And let's be honest, there's people in our lives <laughs> that to deal with them entails long-suffering. But we're called to do it and instruction. Now, there are times when you need to walk away and shake the dust off your feet, folks. But only God will tell you which way to go. So with great patience and instruction. That instruction comes from the Lord. Verse 3. <laughs> Can I take some liberty and just change the, uh, the first <laughs> part of this verse? For at this time, <laughs> they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. I could go an hour on this. Most of the patriot community, for instance, are uh, self-proclaimed Christians. And listen, I, I'm not judging if they're Christian or not. <laughs> That's not for me. I think many of them are, and many have fallen into deception. But, you know, I'm going to confess something here to you. Oftentimes, when I put Trump in the uh, title of a video, you know, Trump be back or something like that. And listen, I want to be truth. I'm always truthful in, in my deliverance of my messages. I hope you see that or truth is to the best of my ability to do it. But I do it because there are those who only seek out information they want. They want to know that there's a Savior coming, and most of them don't want it to be Jesus Christ. Because if I put Trump and Intel in the title, I get double the views that I do with just reading the Bible. Because people want their ears tickled. And very few people who listen to my podcast, and there are some that are not Christians. Some have bad motives listen, coming in. Um, some just get drawn in by some of those intel, and then they hear the word. But I always do, do things like that as a little test, and it's just to see where people are at. I think God has given me 
some wisdom there. I'm sure I'm not the only one who does it, but God has given me some wisdom there to help draw people in. You know, uh, if you want to be a fisher of men, you have to throw some bait out there sometimes. So that is my little confessions. But people want teachers in accordance with their own desires. You know, I look at some of the church movements that we've covered. There's obviously the word of faith, you know, you'll be healed. You'll live in prosperity. This is huge, people. And they fill up arenas. The person who sticks to systematic teaching of the Bible will not fill up arenas. Will not. Won't happen. Because people want their ears tickled. For their own desires. And the desires are of the flesh. They're not of the spirit. It's a bold statement. It's true. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Can you see that happening now? Can you see it happening? There's a lot of myths out there. One of the myths that I even talk about, and I think I give a balanced perspective of it, but that there's this new utopian world, patriots in charge. <laughs> That's it's going to be a sad day. We might have some peace and it might be seemingly a good time to be alive if it happens. But I would say to you, beware of that time because that's when the real battle begins. That battle is harder than the battle we are in currently. Because it will all seem good, and it's hard to go against. The deception is going to be so overwhelming. That's why we must stick on the narrow path, and we must press in to the Lord Jesus. Know him know his word, know his character. This is how you will get through all of these things. But as for you, use self-restraint in all things. Listen to this. Endure hardships. 
Understand this. This isn't God saying, listen, if you run into a hard time, try to get through it. That's not what God's saying. When God says, endure hardships, that means hardships are coming your way and you are called to endure it. I'm not tickling ears here today, am I? Do the work of an evangelist. The Great Commission is to preach the gospel, to spread the gospel, to tell people of the truth of the word of God. You, yes, every one of you are called to do it. And so am I. Fulfill your ministry. Oh, but I'm in the community, but I don't have a ministry. Yes, you do. You are called a king and a priest. You're a priest. You're a king because you're the son or daughter of the king. You are in the royal family. You do have a ministry. It is your obligation. Jesus paid a price for you. You pay a price in this life by doing your ministry, and God is saying, fulfill your ministry, whatever that may be. But it is the Great Commission. I'm just looking at the uh, chat, uh, very active. Great to see every one of you in the chat. Thank you for being here. I, I'm so blessed by each one of you. Um, I just noticed a quick comment. The first one just jumped out. Yes, beware, persecution is coming. Yes, it's going to ramp up, but persecution is here. Right now, you go and you speak the word of God, try it with your next door neighbor. Try it with the person across the street from you. See if you're not persecuted. If they're not a believer, they will avoid you like the plague unless God planted a seed in their heart and you're there to water it. Unless you feel, unless God really compelled you to go speak to that person. But you know what? You're not supposed to wait for God to compel you to go speak with that person. You're called to do it now and experience the persecution. Hallelujah. Because when they reject you, sign you're doing God's will. (laughs) They rejected him. Who should we free? Should we free Jesus or the thief? Free Barabbas. Let the thief go. Kill him. (laughs) See how it works? Verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And essentially there's a drink. A drink offering just means it's consumed. There's nothing left. And the time for my departure has come. 
So Paul is sitting there <laughs> knowing he's going to die. And he did become, he was martyred. Uh, if you don't know the story, obviously he was in a Roman prison and he was, he had his head chopped off, which actually is kind of a merciful way to be executed. So God was with him even in that time. All right, Lord, give me strength here. Verse 7. <laughs> Notice this is verse 7. 7 being the number of completion, perfection. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. You know, I, I never planned on becoming a Bible teacher. I guess early in my walk with the Lord, I started Bible studies and, you know, they became popular and I did them just like this, by the way, this is the exact format. I just took one chapter at a time and read it and studied it. And but I realized in doing that and having read the word, particularly the New Testament, I'm not a, I'm not a biblical scholar, folks. I'm less qualified to do this than many of you. That's the truth. I'm working on it. <laughs> but because I have answered the call or volunteered or willfully come into this, whichever it may be, perhaps all. But teachers and preachers, when we go to meet the Lord, are going to go under much more scrutiny. Everyone will hold an account before their Lord. Everyone. You're not going to be judged if you're saved because... There's no sin on you. That's right. Even the sin you're going to do tomorrow is not on you. I'm not encouraging sin. Far from it. If you sin in this life, you will feel consequences in this life. The world will repay you for your sin. And the Lord will allow it to happen. But we will stand and give account to the Lord. And man, I want to be able to say these words because I fear the Lord. I fear the Lord more than anything else in the world. Yeah, do a couple thing, other things freak me out, <laughs> like e e EMP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that would be scary. But I want to hear, I want to be able to proclaim these words. This is the desire of my heart. I fought the good fight, I have finished the course, and I have kept the faith. Part of keeping the faith for me, for me is to correct things that I've put out publicly in the past. And that's part of the reason I did the Mass Deception series. It's part of the reason I mentioned 
some of the things that I fell into even a couple of years ago, like dominionism. They sound great, folks. The seven mountain mandate, all that stuff sounds great. The problem with that doctrine is when you find out where it leads, it's the original lie from the garden. And it means that you are God, just like Jesus. You don't need Jesus. That's where that doctrine leads, every bit of it. So I'm in a redemption process, and I need to correct things that have, I was wrong about. And I pray the Lord will always give me a humble spirit to be able to come and say that to you. Man, I was wrong. Verse 8. Verse 8 is like uh, infinity, new beginnings. It's the alpha, the omega, for lack of a better word. I don't normally do numerology, but it just fits so good here. And I, uh, In the future, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. That is an audacious statement. That's a big statement for Paul to make. Man, is he full of it? Yeah, I think he is. I think the Lord has already shown him the promise. Paul probably had the biggest smile on his face as he walked up to the axe or the guillotine, whichever it was that took his head off. He was probably smiling. Here I come, Lord. <laughs> I'll see you in 30 seconds. <laughs> I'll bet you he had a smile on his face. But not only to me, Paul says, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, some people might think, well, he's coming back, or is he talking about... No, the fact that he came. Yes, he is coming back. But if you truly love that he came and died for your sins, then in Jesus' words, it is finished. So he will also award to you on that day. Maybe he's got different awards. This is the one Paul's getting. I think that's high ground, and I personally would uh, by the way, you know you know what's going to happen? when the Lord gives you your crown and you'll do this. You, you're not going to forget. You won't forget because you're going to be in his presence. You know what you're going to do? He's going to place a crown upon your head, the crown of righteousness, for instance, and you're going to take it off, place it at his feet and bow your head before him. And that's going to be the greatest honor for you is to be able to place that at his feet. 
you're not going to go prouncing around in heaven. <laughs> Look at the crown I got. <laughs> not, oh, yours is out of tinfoil. Mine's gold, <laughs> right? It's not going to be like that, folks. It's not going to be, oh, look at him. He must have done good in life. There will be people with higher position, but there's not going to be jealousy. There's not going to be envy. Those things aren't of God, and they're not going to be there. Man, we have a great future to look forward to. But just remember, that future started as soon as you got born again. So start living in the kingdom now. Verse 9, make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So this is important to know. Some people that maybe you've discipled over the years will fall away from the faith. It does not mean they won't come back. Paul is not condemning Demas here. He's just stating he fell away. Having loved this present world, maybe Demas got a job opportunity of the lifetime and uh, the job opportunity is doing something that's not of the Lord. You know, on the prayer last night, we had uh, a dear sister talking about, you know, in she's working with, you know, educators and stuff like that. And, uh, and they're pushing all this agenda, transsexual stuff. And she wants no part of it. Obviously, it is not of God. But let's say the pay is really good. And some people, I'll do it. Having loved this world. And I'm not speaking to that person who will hear this broadcast and telling you what to do either way. That's between you and the Lord. The Lord might use you in service there. The Lord might release you and put you into something else. But dear sister, the Lord's going to keep using you. God bless you. And your husband, your whole family. Don't mean to single anyone out, but it just came to my mind. Uh, then he says Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Demetria. He's not saying these people deserted the faith. He's just simply giving a status report at this point. This is Paul, you know, really, I think, just giving status. And that's why I say uh, this is one of the rare opportunities that I think the Lord has allowed Paul just to put in some personal stuff. Just, uh, look, here's here's the sit rep, <laughs> right? Uh, only Luke is with me. And yes, this is Luke, the, uh, the gospel writer. Then it says, take Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. And if you remember, uh, I believe this Mark to be John Mark, the same one that deserted uh, him in the book of Acts when he was traveling with Barnabas. They had John Mark and John Mark went off to do things in the world. But, you know, this might be just like uh, Demas having loved the present world. But, you know, Demas may have came back. John Mark seemingly did, if this is the John Mark. But he's useful to me in service. So uh, maybe a bit of a prodigal. But I have sent 
Tychias to Ephesus, and when you come, bring the overcoat which I left at Troas with Carpus, and the books, especially the parchments. So again, when I say I believe the Lord allowed Paul to uh, put in some personal stuff, uh, why would he say bring the overcoat? Jails in, you know, the old Roman jails, you have to understand, this was not like the prisons now where they cook three meals for every prisoner and each prisoner gets a prisoner outfit and stuff like that. Um, if you're going to live in jail, people better come and feed you. That's how it was back then. The guards didn't bring you food. If you had no one who cared about you outside, maybe another prisoner would share his food with you or they just let you die. Even if you're awaiting trial. <clears throat> it sounds really cruel, but just... Okay, this this is not biblical, but I'm going to speak my mind anyway. So you allowed Paul to speak his mind, I'm going to speak my mind. <laughs> if you're in prison and you don't have a single person in the world outside of that prison that cares about you, <laughs> just saying, maybe you didn't lead a very good life. Uh, so Paul, it, it gets cold. Paul needed this coat. <laughs> Uh, but he says, and bring the books and especially the parchments, which would have been the scriptures is my interpretation of that. Verse 14, Alexander, the coppersmith, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. So just like when we talked about rebuke earlier in the chapter, the Lord rebuke you. Even the archangel Michael said that, um, the Lord rebuke you. And the archangel Michael's a pretty, pretty tough dude, right? Uh, he said, no, the Lord rebuke you. So Paul is saying, you know, basically, don't take revenge on this guy. I'm not telling you that he's a bad dude for you to go out and get him. No, the Lord will have his wrath. But he does give a warning, be on guard against him yourself too, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. So it means the guy was effective in coming against the teaching. You know, and probably as a, as a coppersmith, uh, probably somewhat influential in the city as well. That's a skilled trade and he would do, probably do things for the emperors and for the top echelons of the army and stuff like that. He was an influential person, um, would be my conjecture. And then Paul says this, and so this is really interesting. And remember, this is instruction for you today, okay? So we remember when uh, Paul was arrested at the temple, that was his very first arrest. And, you know, he was standing on the stairs and he was able to speak for himself. And he says, and he's remembering this time, at my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. 
Paul saying, hey, got no grudge, I get it. Live to preach another day, because if they had stood up, they would have been imprisoned with Paul. Everyone would have come after them. They could have been killed right then and there. Um, look, Peter, the apostle, denied Christ. They denied Paul because Paul was preaching Christ. And it's not good to deny it, but you have to understand sometimes you have people know when it's their time to fight and when it's their time not to fight. So Paul is basically saying grace be upon them. And then verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Wow, I, I just saw something here that I've never seen before. You know, the Great Commission is to go and preach to the ends of the earth. But Paul says here, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished. So that's the implication is that it's fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. So what Paul did, and his ministry was to reveal the great mystery of God, which was for that the gospel was not only for Israel, but for the Gentiles as well. He's saying that's accomplished. Now, we know at that time the gospel hadn't gotten to the ends of the earth. But to me, it sounds like Paul had the blessed assurance that what he did will fulfill the mandate. He has fought the good fought, fight and run the course. Verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I just want to read verse 18 again, but I want you to think about it just a little bit differently. Again, this is Paul writing, but it's the Holy Spirit writing to you. Is this not a great verse to include in your prayer? The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Boy, that's that's inspired by a psalm somewhere. I didn't look it up, but I can just tell you that that is a psalm. <laughs> I don't know why it says greet Prisca and Aquila. It's uh it's uh Aquila and Priscilla, or so they rhyme. Um, you know, they helped Paul make his tents and stuff like that. Um, Paul always learned a living alongside of doing the gospel. And the household of Onesiphorus Erastus remained at Corinth, but I left Trophius sick at Miletus, again giving a sit situation report here. Make every effort to come before winter, because I need that coat. Don't forget the coat. <laughs> 
Uh, Eubulus greets you. Also, Putin's Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. And the final two sentences that, which make up verse 22 that Paul penned, who wrote two-thirds of the Gospels, or of the, of the uh, New Testament, not the Gospels. This is so... The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you.